feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Well, tonight I have heard it all. We are now hearing President Biden saying he, quote, intends to go to the border next week. He has a summit in Mexico City, which is a pretty dangerous place, by the way. I've been there. And he is planning on going there to meet with the leader of Mexico, also Canada, to talk about border security. And somehow President Biden seems to have some sort of epiphany uh, that he's finally gotten a clue that maybe he should go visit our disastrous and wide open southern border. Take a listen to this. This is what he said just a little bit ago. Are you going to be visiting the border when you head down to, to Mexico? That's my intention. We're working out the details now. That's my intention. We are working out the details now. That's the first time we've really heard him say that. I mean, remember he was asked about a week or two ago when it was like, hey, you planning on going to the border? And it was like, heck no. Remember when he went to Arizona? It was like, oh, no, I got more important things to do. He has not been to the border as far as anyone can see in his entire public office, which has been, what is it, like 40, 50 years? So suddenly something has changed in his mind that he, quote, intends to go to the border now. Could it be because there's a House majority and we're going to get into the House Speaker thing in a moment, too? Uh, So what has changed? And I want to get your thoughts on this, because to me, boy, what a joke this is. Even if he does go to the border, he clearly uh, it is, you know, decades too late. (laughs) He's just going to be smoking mirrors. It's just going to be a bunch of a big, big dog and pony show, a big PR stunt. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. And we're also going to be talking with the former Customs and Border Protection Chief uh, Commissioner, Mark Morgan, who is one of the best on border security, I think, ever. And Mark is going to be joining us in about 15 minutes or so from now to give us his take on all of this. So what do you think? Do you believe that this is just one big show? Is there any sincerity with President Biden saying he's finally going to go to the border? He intends to go to the border. First off, do you think he actually really will make it there? Or is that just like one big PR line to say, hey, yeah, I intended to go there, but, you know, somehow I couldn't do it with my schedule. Or do you think he actually will go there? Because if you go there, the border is so wide open. It is such a disaster. It's such a mess. He's going to have to concede that it's wide open. And he's going to have to also talk to border agents who also will tell him that it is a mess, that they're overwhelmed, that it's overrun, that it is a disaster. So does he want to face the music? I don't think he wants to. So I'll be stunned unless he thinks he's so confident that he can go and say, oh, I've been to the border. So then he can like somehow put it on his tickler list that he's been there, you know, just like, uh, Kamala Harris saying, oh, I've been overseas. Yes, I've been there. I I did a five-minute stopover. Yeah, I had lunch. I went to the bathroom at a McDonald's there. I mean, you know, I, you, you see where this is going. So what are your thoughts about all of this? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Why the timing now? By the way, speaking of timing, just a little bit ago, uh, this is just a disaster. The House GOP still is debating who's going to be their House Speaker. 
We're talking about such huge issues like our open border, like the fentanyl that's coming through, the human smuggling that's coming through. And yet we can't even get a House speaker. The GOP voted again today, back and forth and back and forth, another three votes. And in fact, Kevin McCarthy, his support is waning. Victoria Sparks, uh, the only Ukrainian uh, American that's there in the House, basically decided to vote present. She was a McCarthy supporter, but she said she's doing it to start the debate. And things are so kind of confusing and so chaotic that you can bet President Biden couldn't wait to chime in along with other Democrats. First off, here is President Biden chiming in on the battle at the House of Representatives. Mr. President, are you, con- are you concerned about the implications of there not being of there not being a functioning House of Representatives at this point? Well, obviously I am, uh, in terms of, uh, put my hat on it, Um, for two reasons. One, it's embarrassing for the country. I mean, literally, I'm not making a part of this reality that, you know, to be able to have a Congress that can't function is just embarrassing. We're the greatest nation in the world. How can that be? And we've had a lot of trouble with, I'm sorry for the noise, a lot of trouble with the attacks on our institutions already. And uh, it just, that, that, that's what worries me more than anything else. Yeah, I'm sure he's really worried. If he really cared about government, wouldn't he care about the border and not suddenly have some epiphany again to suddenly go to the border while he's going to Mexico City? I mean, this is just so, so crazy. And here's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who couldn't wait to weigh in, saying that if this keeps dragging on and maybe goes to now, it looks like a seventh vote tomorrow, um, if it keeps dragging on and on, maybe the Democrats can cut a deal to get McCarthy or somebody else elected so they can maybe stay as committee chairs, which, boy, if that ever happened, that would be a disaster. Because if they stay as committee chairs, then they get to make much more decisions in terms of subpoenas, in terms of investigations. That cannot happen at any cost. That would be a disaster because we got to have the GOP in control to say, hey, Mayorkas, you need to come here. Hey, Fauci, you need to come here. Otherwise, you can see where it's headed. No, 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 we don't need to call them. Everything's great. Here is AOC chiming in, too. McCarthy's team may have to come to the Democratic Party. And if that's the case, then what would that even look like? It's rather unprecedented. Could it result in a potential coalition government? Could we get Democratic chairs of committees uh, as a result? We don't know. We don't know. And some folks who have been around politics a long time are very angry at the 20 that are holding out. They're being called the Taliban 20 by some people. Here is Newt Gingrich and his take on the conservatives that say they just don't want McCarthy. Remember, they're not really blackmailing McCarthy. Uh, They're blackmailing the conference. Uh, On the votes yesterday, they were losing 202 to 20. And in a healthy, free society, you'd figure a 202 to 20 vote tells you something. But this 20's gotten together and decided that they can only blackmail the Republican conference. In effect, they're blackmailing the American people. Mm -hmm. Remember, we didn't get the vote yesterday to repeal the 87,000 IRS agents. We didn't get the announcement by McCarthy that there would be hearings on the border so Democrats would be forced to go and look at the disaster. 
uh, we did not get the kind of steps forward in organizing the China Select Committee to look at what the Chinese are doing. So just remember, these blackmailers aren't just blackmailing the Republican Party. They're blackmailing the whole country. And their game, I don't know what their end game is. And they are also not listening to President Trump, even though many of these folks like Lauren Boebert and all these others are big Trump supporters. Matt Gates, uh, Chip Roy, these are some of the folks that are holding out, Scott Perry. But Lauren Boebert, despite President Trump saying he's supporting Kevin McCarthy, she said, doesn't matter. She's saying the president should actually tell McCarthy to pull out. Take a listen to this one. Let's stop with the campaign smears and tactics to get people to turn against us. Even having my favorite president call us and tell us we need to knock this off. I think it actually needs to be reversed. The president needs to tell Kevin McCarthy that, sir, you do not have the votes and it's time to withdraw. Wow. They're not even listening to President Trump. And it didn't even seem like it moved the needle whatsoever that he came out and said that he supported Kevin McCarthy. And then to add insult to injury in the last little bit, Congresswoman Cori Bush, who is probably one of the most far left of the left of the left of the left of the squad. This is what she had to say about Byron Donalds, who is the African-American conservative from Florida, who some of the 20 are saying, basically all of them in the last round said, maybe should be the person to be picked as speaker because they're trying to figure out, okay, if not McCarthy, uh, could it be Jim Jordan? Could it be, uh, you know, Steve Scalise? Could it be Byron Donalds? Well, this is what she had to say. African-American member of the squad responded, quote, Byron Donalds is not a historic candidate for speaker. He's a prop. Despite being black, he supports a policy agenda intent on upholding and perpetuating white supremacy. His name being in the mix is not progress. It's pathetic. That is the response from Cori Bush. How outrageous and how much politics are they playing? It's okay for Hakeem Jeffries, an African-American, to be picked as House Minority Leader on the Democratic side. Oh, that's historic. But then if you flip on the other direction and if the GOP wants to nominate an African-American, she calls it basically white supremacy, basically calling him an Uncle Tom. Um, I mean, <laughs> give me a break. How outrageous is this rhetoric? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let me go to Norman, line five. Norman, um, I just want to get your reaction, Norm, on first of this comment from Corey Bush and, and everything that's going on uh, in the House chambers for House Speaker, because uh, you're always following politics closely, Norm. Go ahead, my friend. Well, I mean, as far as what the Democrats say, I don't care. I mean, they're they're uh, look, they, they've run this country in the ground for the last two years. And so I don't really care what they say. I want to congratulate uh, President Potato for finally going to the border. Now, whether uh, that will I, I don't think he's going to do anything. By the way, Norm Potato uh, as in Potato Head. Is that why or why? why where did yeah, you get the potato? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the toy I played with when I used to, you know, the, the plastic potato where we used to put the, you know, the stick the pins in to make them look, you know, smile or frown. Or right, right, right. Actually, yeah. that was kind of a fun game. I remember you used to play that. But anyway, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I, I think I think he uh, I, I congratulate him seriously for going to the border. 
Um, he he wouldn't do that unless he senses change, and change is coming. I mean, I, uh, I'm not worrying about the speaker, whether it's going to be um, – um, God, I forget his name. Uh, Kevin I don't McCarthy. Know whether, yeah, whether, yep. yeah, I don't really care if it's going to be McCarthy or it's going to be Jim Jordan. It's We're going to have a Republican speaker by next week, and uh, then the fun and games are going to begin. That's all. I mean, you know, it's, uh, they're, they're not getting away. They being – uh, the let me quote Steve of Manhattan, the hard left. They're not getting away uh, with their uh, shenanigans. And uh, it's only a matter of time. Well, that's why you could see uh, they're enjoying this moment. But just like you said, it is a short lived moment for them, because at the same time, Norm, they're also gearing up and getting attorneys. Uh, gearing up because they know there will be tons of subpoenas. And everybody, when we come back, the great former Commissioner of Customs and Border Protection, Mark Morgan, to give us his take on Biden saying he intends to go to the border for once. And we'll also take your calls. 1-800-848-9222. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, President Biden says he, quote, intends to go to the border finally for once. I mean, what a joke, first of all, that he finally may be saying he might even go. And will he really do it? And why is he doing it now? Here is what he said just a few hours ago. And everyone's like, "Uh, did we hear that right? Take a listen. Are you going to be visiting the border when you head down to, to Mexico? That's my intention. We're working out the details now. So do you think it'll happen? And again, why finally is he thinking of doing it? It's when he's going down to Mexico City for a summit about the border. Maybe he feels like, oh, maybe I should go. Maybe that might be a bright idea. A light bulb somehow went off. And joining us now to talk about all of this is the former Commissioner of Customs and Border Protection, also a Heritage Foundation visiting fellow, Mark Morgan. Mark, so great to have you here on the show. Rita, thanks for having me. You know, I always love having you. I know you're a great law enforcement analyst, too. What what did you make when you heard the president say he, quote, intends to go to the border next week? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, it was a, a kind of line along the lines you just said, Rita. First, you know, welcome to the party. And, and let's be honest. I mean, literally, he's going to fly over the border to go to Mexico. I mean, he almost has to do this. But look, I, I want to focus on a positive just for a second, because I, I do think there are a couple of, uh, in the plus category here for him going to the border. One, for the first time in two years, the American people are going to finally get what they deserve and what they've demanded. And that's for this president to finally acknowledge the catastrophic, deadly crisis at our border that's impacting our entire nation's safety and national security. Just by him physically being there, it's going to acknowledge that, number one. Number two, as the president, look, he, he should be going to the border. He needs to see firsthand 
the reality and the results of his policy. Because let's put this in perspective. This president, under his hand, he has signed over 90 executive orders with respect to border security policy that, that systematically dismantled the network of tools, authorities, and policies that we had in place under the Trump administration. He dismantled the, the, the wall. He ended the Remain in Mexico. He ended the safe third countries we had with all three Northern Triangle countries. He reinstated catch and release. He absolutely signed a $1.7 trillion omnibus bill that gave billions to DHS, which they said could not be used to secure the border. Rita, all that came at the stroke of his pen and his hand. So, yes, he should be at the border to see finally the results and reality of what he's done. Yeah, I 1,000% agree, Mark Morgan. I mean, my thought, though, is he may go to the border and say, oh, yeah, we're down there, but... I don't know if, do you think he'll really admit how catastrophic it is? He barely even says the word fentanyl. I think I've only heard him say it once. Um, And will he even concede that his policies have anything to do with it? Or will he say, oh, yeah, it's bad, but it's everybody's fault and nothing to do with his own policies? Rita, I I look at past performance to uh, anticipate future performance. And the the question you're to answer your question, we know, right? Of course not. He's going to blame everything but his policies, but his pen. Uh, I, again, I just I just outlined, you know, seven things right there that, are, that directly came from him that has caused this crisis. But he won't acknowledge it. He won't reverse course. I guarantee you there's going to be some comments about he's going to uh, uh, continue to expand parole. He's probably even some talk about amnesty, uh, more money about how they can more effectively process. It's going to be all about how they can get better at managing and reducing the bad political optics of the crushing invasion on our border rather than actually stopping the invasion and securing our border. Make no mistake. Look, he could go down there. I'm also being told it's going to be a touch and go. He's not going to spend much time there. He's not going to do what he should do. He's not going to have extensive briefings by the men and women on the front lines of our nation's border. He's not actually going to physically be there and see smugglers push across illegal aliens. He's not going to spend quality time down there. It's going to be a photo op and he's going to go and nothing is going to change, Rita. And that's a sad thing. As you just talked about, even this big money bill where he was shaking hands with uh, Mitch McConnell in Kentucky not too long ago in there, as you know, the money is going to basically help process more of them. It's not going to security. That's why it's so outrageous. So I agree with you. I think we're just going to hear a whole bunch of gobbledygook and politics and basically saying, oh, we're going to try to put more money, but more money to help process, just as you said. Don't you think, though, this could backfire or do you think this is going to help him somehow? So I think it's absolutely going to backfire. Look, when there's no substance, right, to, to, to your action, when it's literally just a photo op, of course it's going to backfire. When there's not going to be any talk, as you just described, which I completely agree with you, about any any level of, of taking responsibility, saying, hey, look, we tried, but we realized our policies weren't effective. We need to reverse course. We realize that we've got this, the worst crisis ever. No, no, no. There, none of that's going to happen. That's why it's going to backfire. And, you know, and again, the, the bill that uh, we talked about to, to, to push something even further, while there's billions uh, uh, to DHS that I said that specifically says cannot be used to secure our own border, that same bill gives millions to other countries for them to secure their border, Rita. I mean, it's, it's, we literally are living in an alternate universe and, 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 and a, an insanity that we will not 
provide money to secure our borders, but we'll provide money to secure other borders. That's what you're going to hear more from this president. Yeah, it is really stunning. And I agree with you. I think it's going to backfire. And I hope that reporters down there absolutely grill him. If he gives the opportunity, he'll probably avoid, just as you said, it'll be like a popover, you know, a touch and go. And then he can say, oh, I stepped there. You know, I was technically at the border. Um, Mark Morgan, thank you very much. We so appreciate your great perspective. Uh, The great former Customs and Border Protection. Commissioner. Thank you, Mark. Rita, anytime for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And everybody, when we come back, we will take your calls. Do you agree with me and Mark that this will backfire? 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which we love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor law enforcement and their families, and tonight their furry friends as well. This story coming from Saginaw, Michigan. And while firefighters work to save a family's home, two Michigan State Police troopers help the family and their resuscitated dog who was unconscious and suffering from smoke inhalation. After the family, a mother and two children had already made it out safely out of the house fire. The troopers worked to save their family dog. We got out there and we were advised that her dog was still in the house, Trooper Neal said. And he said, at that point, I kind of ran out, located and grabbed the dog, brought her away from the house. She was barely conscious. She was barely breathing. And at that point, we brought her back to our patrol car. Using a bag valve meant for humans, the troopers were able to bring the family pet Delilah back, at which point the dog started to pop up a bit and to perk to life a little bit more, he said. And the trooper said, we did kind of a check and make sure, and we really didn't see too many burn marks. Although the family is left without a home and many of their belongings are also unharmed, they were grateful so much, of course, that they were okay and also that they were grateful to be reunited. Trooper Neal said, I was just happy that I could help. He said, quote, you do what you can. You do your best for the public. Me and my partner, we are both dog people. And what a beautiful story how the Michigan State Troopers saved not only this family, the mother and two kids, but also the very cute family dog, Delilah, who is said to be doing okay. Well, we are talking, of course, at this about the situation on the border. And what an enormous mess it is on our southern border. And to me, this is such a joke that President Biden is saying that he has every intention, basically, to go to the border next week. There's a summit in Mexico City about the border. So he's got to fly over the border. So I guess he can't really avoid it. Um, But he seems to do a lot of flyovers these days. And remember when about a month ago he was asked when he was in Arizona, a border state, he was asked, hey, are you going to go to the border today? That was before the midterms. And he's like, "Ah, no, that's not important. Don't worry about that. We don't need to go there. Why would I go there? It is a catastrophe what's happening at the border. It is shameful. And it's the president's policies that have absolutely contributed to it and made it 
so, so much worse. It is him changing and just getting rid of all the Trump policies. It's getting rid of the remain in Mexico. It's getting rid of the wall. It's getting rid of all of these things that Trump was doing. And it worked when Trump was doing it. It kept our country secure. And yet right now that border is wide open. And first off, I'll be surprised if he actually does step foot in the border. If he does, I think it is going to be just a quick little show opportunity, a photo op, as you call it. It'll be just a touch and go. And, hey, here I was. See, look, I stepped in the border. So he could say he for once was actually at the border because he hasn't been, according to records, yet, which is just unbelievable for somebody who's been in public office as long as he's been and been president now for two years. So I do think it's going to be just one big show. And I don't think he's going to be even able to look in the mirror. He's just going to be pointing fingers at everybody else and not acknowledging that his problems have created much of this catastrophe at our border. And to me, that's pathetic. It is so transparent and so just ridiculous that he wants to just say so he can say, oh, I was at the border. I'm glad he's finally going. But if he really cared about the border, it would have gone a long time ago and he would have kept the Trump policies in place. So this is just one big photo op, and it is pathetic attempt at trying to look like he has done something when he has done everything to basically create this chaos and this wide open southern border. What are your thoughts, everybody? It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. First off, here is Peter Ducey. He's the Fox reporter there at the White House talking about Biden saying today he has, quote, every intention of going to the border. Take a listen. This is brand new. After the president went to his infrastructure event in Kentucky, he talked to some reporters under the wing of Air Force One. Somebody asked him about a Wall Street Journal item today, uh, if he is planning to go to the southern border next week. And he said that is his intention, but the details are being ironed out. Remember, it has been less than a month since I asked the president on his way to Arizona why it is he goes to border states and not visit the border. And he said at the time, because there are more important things going on at the time, he considered a more important thing a uh, talk about a big investment that the government was making in a chips factory. Right. More important then, right before the election, because the last thing he wanted to do was acknowledge there was any problem at the border, I guess because he has to fly over the border He maybe feels like, well, I can't just fly over it. I guess I got to stop and dip my toe in and say, hey, I did it. Um, But here is the vice president of the National Border Patrol Council saying that the problems exist at the border because the Biden administration has created this mess. And he believes that amnesty for millions of Americans, uh, for millions of people who want to be Americans that came across the border illegally, he believes is coming soon. And take a listen to what he says is squarely to blame the Biden administration's policies. Really, it's just a policy change. You know, if, if they had any interest in actually stopping this, they could do that in a matter of days. We saw that uh, under President Trump with uh, Remain in Mexico policy. But all they demonstrated that because they've taken no steps to implement any policies that would actually make a difference, they're showing that they don't care. They would rather people stream across the border the way they've been doing it, uh, overwhelming our resources and preventing border, border Patrol agents from being able to do their job in the field. And he also says that the numbers are so great they cannot keep track. It is overwhelming. Take a listen. 
Uh, we're expecting December to see over 70,000 gotaways again once the numbers are sorted out. Uh, but, I mean, that's just what we know about. There, are, There's a huge group of people we never, ever see because we're just not out there. And then there's a bunch of other people who we're pretty sure that they crossed someplace, but we're not sure. Right. There are, it's no way to know how bad it truly is, but the numbers that we do see are, are ridiculous. So will President Biden acknowledge that the border is wide open and it is catastrophic for human smuggling, for cartels, for, uh, think about the fentanyl that's coming through, claiming the lives of 100,000 Americans just last year alone? That's a catastrophe. He doesn't even acknowledge it doesn't even acknowledge it. So will he finally acknowledge it now that maybe the elections are over? Or do you think he's going to just blame everybody else and say, we're doing the best we can, which is a bunch of hogwash? Meantime, Congresswoman Debbie Lesko, this is what she had to say. She's a Republican. And she says that they are preparing right now to work on hearings and calling Mayorkas, the head of Homeland Security, day one, And don't rule out that he may be impeached. Take a listen. We also have legislation that would require uh, that illegal immigrants be turned back at the border if there's not enough space to detain them as required by the law. And of course, I'm one of those people that's supportive of starting impeachment proceedings against uh, DHS Secretary Mayorkas if he doesn't do his job. Which, by the way is part of the reason that it would be a good idea to get a House speaker pretty soon on the GOP side so they can get going with these hearings. One of the things they said on day one was to hold hearings right there at the southern border. So Democrats would have to show up for those hearings and go there to the border and go out and actually see what's happening firsthand, sort of have them face it, face the reality firsthand. So... That's another reason we want to get going with everything with the House speakership so they can start doing the committees. They can start calling Mayorkas and others to testify, start subpoenaing records. There's a lot of things. But border issues are certainly one of the top priorities, no question. So do you think President Biden going down there is really going to make a difference? Or is it just, again, as I believe, one big sort of short photo opportunity um, popping in, saying, hey, I was there, leaving, blaming everybody else but himself and pretending that he's throwing money at the problem when he actually what he's doing is creating a bigger issue because he's throwing money to process these people more. In fact, that new deal, the $1.7 trillion deal, doesn't include money for border protection. It specifically says it can't be used for security reasons. It's basically for processing more migrants. So that's only encouraging more people to cross this border. I mean, this this is just it is the definition of insanity. To me, it is a total dereliction of duty. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John on line eight. John, your thoughts about all of this. Go ahead. Good evening, Rita. I have a th- my take on the uh, McCarthy mutiny, for instance, is all revenue bills in theory in the federal government are supposed to originate in the House of Representatives. McConnell took that completely out of the hands of the incoming House at the end of last year by cynically trying to get the best deal he could get with uh, our boss and friend plus Senator Schumer. 
And by the by no, the way, John that. and John, how did you like that photo op with McConnell and Biden shaking hands there in Kentucky? And in that deal, the one point seven deal is just you you very aptly describe he took it out of the House and made the House Republicans look silly. And the fact that McConnell is like huggy kissy with Biden over this uh, this bill, which again, has nothing to do with border security, was shoved down American people's throats. They should have done a continuing resolution and waited until the House GOP takes control, which hopefully happens soon. Um, it, it's just it is the definition of insanity. Go ahead, John. Yeah, excuse me. The um, very cynically, it was taken the power, the power to raise revenue was taken out of the hands of the House of Representatives. And they will have plenty of time to investigate me and that they've been basically defanged from being able to make appropriations for the indefinite future. So what does this mean? What do you think it means with border security? I agree with you. And it's an outrageous move. But what do you think it means? Well, I think first our boss and friend heading south of the border, I think he may be opening up the first salvo in the 2024 election campaign. Ah, that's John. That's a that's a very, very interesting point. John, thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it. John thinks this could be the opening salvo in the 2024 campaign. Let's go to J.C. Line seven. J.C., your thoughts. Okay, first of all, it ended the House. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, You know, I don't like McCarthy. And, you know, uh, Trump had some bones about McCarthy because he didn't McCarthy because he didn't back him up. Uh, with 2020 election at first. But, however, the border, I wouldn't, uh, if I was anybody, I wouldn't hold my breath about Joe Biden really digging into the border. He's not going to go see the cages. He's not going to visit the, the Texas towns with all the people living on the street. He's going to view it from some faraway place on the border. And you know what? Uh, John had a good point, too. So here's the deal. Nobody's looking at it this way. This nut, I can't bring myself to say to president, this nut actually thinks he is going to run for president in 2024 and actually win. Okay, so here is his, 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 his this is his defined point, okay, that we, where he can actually salvo, okay. So my thought is he may be using this, okay, because he sees that the House of Representatives may be going to beat a Mayorkas. He may see this. As a way to chastise Mayorkas, if he sees what's going on at the border, he could say, because this is classic Joe Biden, I didn't really know that it was that bad and Lord Mayorkas wasn't doing such a good job. We really need to get rid of this guy. Ah, so, so you think, J.C., that it could be like he's trying to treat him as like a like a uh, like a the sort of the fall guy, if you will. But he's I, the fall guy. He's I, the I don't know, though, because, you know, if you listen to Mayorkas, he's basically saying that he's basically doing his policies, um, you know, that he's basically following the uh, the Biden administration line. But, J.C., thank you very much. Really interesting point. Could Mayorkas sort of be the fall guy? I do think there is something that Biden has up his sleeve because of the timing of this. And I think. He is trying to sort of get ahead of it because he doesn't like the headline of he's never even been to the border. Um, And I think maybe he's going to say, oh, well, now that I've been down there, I'm seeing we do need to do a couple things differently. Um, I don't know if he'll totally throw Mayorkas under the bus, but maybe he'll say, God, we didn't really realize how bad it was or or 
or we're going to try to fix this, even though just saying it without even doing it or blaming everybody else. I, I just don't see any personal introspection. I, I see zero of that. I see zero acknowledgement that he's created this crisis. He seems to want this open border. Um, and to me, it's just it's a disgusting display of politics at the expense of a wide open border that is so unbelievably dangerous for Americans. I mean, it, it, it scares me how dangerous things are down there. And the fact that our president doesn't take it serious is is frightening. And and even if he says, oh, yeah, now I see how bad it is. I mean, you've got to be uh, deaf, dumb and blind if you didn't know that it, there was a problem before this. I mean, you got to be like a second grade mentality if you have no clue uh, that he could not, you know, that there's a problem at the border. All you have to do is turn on the news one day and you see the, the like stream of people coming across the border. That should be enough. Uh, it is outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Let's go to Judith. Line four. Judith, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Um, let me just say a couple of things. Uh, maybe if they give him cho- chocolate ice cream. <laughs> If they give him chocolate ice cream, he might step over just for like five seconds somewhere, perhaps. But otherwise, forget it. Judith, by the something. way, that's a good one. You know what? They could say that there's a new ice cream parlor because <laughs> he likes chocolate and vanilla, right? I think, right? I'm trying to remember. I don't think, no, no, he likes chocolate. Oh. Only chocolate together with Nancy Pelosi, the two of them. Oh, that's he right. Likes chocolate ice cream. But Rita, <laughs> I want to. Wait, by the way, does I he wanna, like? Does he like like uh, the uh, the like extra chocolate? Or does he like like the fudge brownie, or is it just plain chocolate? Do you know any kind, any kind of chocolate for his Alzheimer's, for his Alzheimer's, for his brain-addled nutcase? I want to tell you, Rita. Listen to me. Give me a break. First of all, this will not backfire on him because the media protects him. That's one. And two, he will acknowledge nothing, Rita. He'll actually maybe say, "Oh, doing a good job." Who knows? He's so nutty. This is his chaos. This is his invasion. He wanted this for two years, and this is a PR stunt. I told your screener this is a photo op, and this is what we call BS, Rita. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, B- BS plus chocolate ice cream. I like your theory, right. though, Judith. Right. That's a good one because, you know, <laughs> okay. if you say like there's a new Carvel or a Dunkin' Donuts or something like that, maybe he'll be like, heck, maybe I'll spend more than one minute there. That sounds like a great place. That would, that would be the key. We, Judith has solved it all. I love it. Judith, you're terrific. We're going to continue your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about President Biden, and I have to laugh. I'm thinking about chocolate ice cream and Judith, who just called it. That was great. But Biden saying he plans to go to the border. He intends to. Well, if that's the case, he needs to look in the mirror and realize he created this crisis. I think it's just going to be one big photo op. He's going to touch down and say, oh, I dipped my foot in. It's like someone who dips their foot in on a polar bear plunge and says, oh, I put my foot in the water for two seconds. He'll say, oh, look, I stepped on the border. Got to go. I don't see him doing any self-introspection. And here is Texas Congressman Wesley Hunt saying basically that the GOP, once they figure out the whole House Speaker deal, which could take a few more days at least, we'll see, uh, but they plan 
to basically hold hearings, and certainly the border will be top priority. Take a listen. I absolutely am in favor of this. Uh, again, four and a half million people entering our country. We, as a country, not knowing who is coming in and out of our borders is a complete joke. And as somebody that has served in the military and served all over the world, there's no country in the world that's comfortable with allowing millions of people pour into this country without being accountable and holding those accountable uh, that are allowing this to happen. Can't agree more with her. Uh, this is a derelict of duty at the, at the leadership position. And Mayorkas better get his mind right because he will be sitting in a lot of hearings. And he says that those who have allowed this must be held responsible. And that includes Mayorkas and maybe some others, too. Take a listen. Realistically, we need to hold those accountable that have basically conducted a derelict of duty over the course of the past few years during the Biden administration. Kamala Harris, who is the border czar, has not even been down to the border not one time. Our president has not been down the border not one time. So how do we hold them accountable uh, uh, as a body in Congress to make sure that we do right by the American people? And I think you're going to see some serious change starting tomorrow. Well, maybe not tomorrow, but whenever they get a House speaker and get it going, then I think it will be tomorrow after that day. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil. Line one. Phil, your thoughts about this. Good evening, Rita. Oh, I've got a lot to say, but I'm going to keep it as brief as I can. First of all, if you remember the history lesson from the ancient Greeks, the Trojan horse, uh, they smuggled smuggled their troops inside inside the city in a very clever way. Biden's pulling the same thing here because 75 percent of the people coming across are men between, according to the stats, I'm not making this up, between the ages of 15 and 45. Okay, these are men who probably had military experience, some of them in Nicaragua or El Salvador or where the hell ever. And I'm telling you, this guy that was just when they took the basketball player back and they, they freed that guy, the gun guy. Yeah, the Victor Boot, the merchant of yeah, death. Well, mark my words. I'm a military guy. I know the way their mind works. You're going to see them. They're going to arm these, these, these 50 or 100,000 of these immigrants here in this country. They're going to they're going to go on a campaign of, of killing, looting and, and destroying anything that resembles America. I'm telling and you can't. How are you going to stop them? It's going to be too late. What, so so you in. believe, Phil, what, it's going to be sort of some sort of uh, armed uh, insurrection from within, if you will, that like that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Look I mean, what happened in Germany. Well, look you know, in Germany. you know, what's yes. scary, Phil, you know, what is really scary is you look at sort of the situation of how many people have already crossed the border. Um, and we were just talking, they can't even keep track of these gotaways. Um, and even the ones that have been caught that are on the terror watch list, they found over 100 of them. And you got to be a pretty bad hombre to be on one of those bad uh, terror watch lists. So I I do think the border is porous, and I think it's a huge issue. Now, what do you think is going to happen with Biden real quick? Do you think it's just a joke? Well, like your, your, the, the gentleman you interviewed, Mr. Morgan, it's, it's, it's a farce. It's a strictly a photo op. You know what he'll do? He'll come down. He will not go to the physical border and see thousands and thousands of people an hour coming through. They're going to pass the word to the cartels. Keep it low for a couple hours. That's a great point. Keep it low. The president's there. And then come on out a few hours later, guys. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 
This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Cosby show some new details about how dangerous that machete attack on the NYPD could have been. Uh, it could have been a lot scarier. And remember, this guy pulled out, look uh, looks like uh, likely a terrorist attack, but pulled out the machete and started swinging it at NYPD officers, clearly targeting them. We're going to talk about some new details in that. Also, George Santos, who still hasn't been sworn in because we still don't have a House speaker at this hour, uh, there's been six votes so far. It looks like another one tomorrow. They're going to be meeting again tomorrow at noon Eastern time. So we'll see if a House speaker on the GOP side is picked. But George Santos still hasn't been sworn in. And it looks like Brazil is coming for him. And new details about the charges against him there that don't look good. Make it look like El Criminal potentially there in Brazil. Actually, that's uh, that's Spanish. That's not Portuguese, but I'll work at Obrigado. I can do a little Portuguese. But anyway, regardless, in Brazil, they are definitely looking at him big time. And we're going to talk about some new stunning details there about the, quote, embezzlement charges. So things could be getting pretty heated. And again, he has yet to be seated. So lots of drama surrounding what's going on with George Santos. Meantime, so much drama happening at our U.S. southern border. Uh, word again that President Biden says he, quote, intends to go to our southern border. He has a meeting next week. It's a Mexico City summit where he's meeting with the leaders of Mexico and also Canada. It's taking place on January 9th and 10th. It's for North American leaders to be meeting. And I guess he feels like somehow he's got to, like, pop in at the border. Now, he has never been to the border. Uh, No record of him being at the border, even though the White House is kind of vague whenever they get asked if he's ever been there. If it was, it was so brief that nobody remembers it. Um, And also, here he is going to Mexico City to talk about basically border security And he was asked the question, will you finally kind of pop into the border? Now, he said, we're working out the details. We're trying to figure it out. He wants to see peace and security. He wants to see what's going on. Uh, Why didn't he do it sooner? What a bunch of PR hogwash. But here is the back and forth with reporters just a little bit ago with President Biden making an announcement that maybe once and for all, he's going to go to our southern border. Are you going to be visiting the border when you head down to, to Mexico? That's my intention. We're working out the details now. We're working out the details now. Boy, it's such a big project. It's just our southern border. I've been down there a couple of times, and I'm not president of the United States. I mean, my goodness. I mean, and even when he goes down there, I don't think he's going to be doing anything that revol- you know, resembles him looking at his own issues and his own crises that have created this enormous catastrophe. That's going to take generations to change. Think how many people are in this country, got in illegally already, will never be checked, never be vetted. Even the ones who were vetted basically said, hey, come up for a court appearance in five, six years. Most of them never show up. Uh, this is a security disaster. 
and this president has created it, and it is absolutely shameful. Here's the reaction, by the way. This is from Congressman Mike McCall. Uh, This is what he had to say when he heard the president is finally maybe going to the border. I'm glad the president is actually traveling to the, the, the border for the first time in his presidency after 5 million people have crossed illegally and 100,000 people have died uh, because of fentanyls coming primarily from China into Mexico. Uh, you have to question the timing of this, juxtaposing this trip uh, versus what's happening right now from where I stand uh, in, the, uh, in the Congress and the House. Uh, with the chaos that's going on. I think he's trying to juxtapose it, but he hasn't done anything to secure the border. And that's why we have to govern. We have to elect the speaker to move forward, uh, not backwards. Our committees need to be up and running, and we need to take action now at the border and and not uh, delay this process. Yeah, they got to hurry up and hustle. And it's interesting that the president is going down to the border so we can say, oh, yeah, I went there. Oh, yeah, I went there last week. Uh, Yeah, I popped in there for two seconds. Everything's great. Let's move on. Meantime, by the way, it's so interesting to hear these liberal mayors across the country. Uh, One of them, case in point, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who they have been taking, they believe it's been now almost 30,000 potentially have come to New York City. Most of them bust or flown in. And, of course, he complains when it's a Republican that buses them in and when anybody buses them in. Uh, But he doesn't say, oh, you know, Biden's to blame. In fact, today during a press conference, he was basically asked, you know, what do you think about President Biden's policies? Like, haven't they contributed to this crisis? And Eric Adams gave a dire warning, basically saying that the migrant crisis could essentially leave New York City bankrupt uh, because they're spending so much money. But yet he wouldn't blame President Biden's lax border policies for playing a role in it. Like suddenly they're just coming out of nowhere and the fact that they're having to spend so much money, they're asking the federal government, um, Eric Adams and New York City, $1 billion for migrant housing and services, not to say stop sending them, not to say seal up the border. He's basically saying, you know, we're getting over at capacity. We don't have any, quote, room at the inn, if you will, um, that we're being overburdened. But when he's asked basically about President Biden and his terrible border policies, his answer was, quote, listen, we have to solve the migrant immigrant issue. So it's easy to point to whoever's in the White House at the time. Those are Band-Aids. We have a real problem at the border. That's what his response was to The New York Post. My goodness, have some guts and blame the president. It is pretty obvious that he and Mayorkas and his whole administration have created this catastrophe. And yet, take a listen. He does complain that they're being overrun, but won't complain that the White House played a role. This is what he had to say with Sid Rosenberg on Sid and Friends on our flagship station, WABC Radio. Listen to this exchange when Sid talked to Mayor Eric Adams. I think the president has an obligation uh, to deal with the immediate concerns. But when we talk about immigration, it's going to t- be a combination of the executive and the leg- legislative body. We have to address this. And El Paso should not be going through this. Chicago should not be going through this. Houston, Washington, New York. No city should, ha- should have to make a decision 
if they're going to provide for their citizens, particularly coming out of COVID, or if they're going to deal with the onslaught of migrants and asylum seekers. We received over 30,000 asylum seekers that are in need of not only shelter, but food, education for children, health care, uh, some of the basic items that are needed. And this is really impacting on the quality of life in New York and our ability to provide for everyday long-term New Yorkers on the needs that they have during this difficult time. And so this must be addressed. Now, we were notified, uh, Sid, we were notified yesterday that the governor of Colorado is now stating that they are going to be sending migrants to places like New York and Chicago. Uh, This is just unfair uh, for local governments to have to take on this national obligation. We've done our job. Uh, There's no more room at the end. Uh, But we are compelled by local laws here that we must uh, provide shelter and continue to move in the right direction. What a bunch of gobbledygook. Uh, There's no more room at the end. We need more money to house more. Uh, It's a federal problem. But President Biden is the greatest because maybe I have my own political aspirations beyond mayor of New York City. That's basically what it comes down to. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Teddy. Line 8. Teddy, your thoughts about all this? Oh, hi, Rita. Uh, Rita, I, I've, I've said this to you many times. When you're right, you're right. And when you're wrong, I'm going to call you out. Biden should have gone there a long time ago already. He should so have wait, had wait, a, Teddy, a, Teddy, are you going to, does that mean I'm right on this one? Yes. I have no problem in doing that, but you have a problem. That's the thing. I don't have any problem. I have a problem with you saying right. I have a problem, but go ahead, Teddy. Okay, let me just talk. You cut me off a lot of times, and I can't even get what I wanted my points out. Uh, Rita? All right, Teddy, Teddy, go ahead. Calm down. Take a deep breath and go ahead. Okay. Biden should have attended to this problem a long time ago. Mayorkas is not handling it right. He was the wrong person for the job. Do you hear me, Norm? I'm saying that. And BJ and Phil. But let me just say this. Okay. Instead of dwelling upon it 100% of the time, and you bring up uh, all we, the Democrats talk about is January 6th, January 6th, or Trump, Trump, Trump. All you talk about is Hunter, Hunter, Hunter. That's all I hear. My girlfriend is saying to me, she, she's got a recording. It's like it's blasting in her ears. Teddy, Teddy, say. Teddy, I don't think Hunter, I've talked Hunter. about Hunter in God knows how long. I can't even remember. So your girlfriend, uh, no wonder you two are together. You're two peas in a pod. Wow, that sounds like a real fun house. Rita, he should have he should handle this in a better cohesive manner. He's not he hasn't handled it properly, but I don't know the solution of immigration has to be dealt with legislation. And Rita, yeah, but, but, long- but Teddy, Teddy, I hear hang on one second because that to me is is a push off because yes, it does have to be partly legislation. It's it's a, it's an American problem. But it was a simple solution. It was working under President Trump. I know you don't want to ever give him any credit. um, But in this case, he actually did have a formula that was working at the border. He had the wall. If you talk to people who have worked at the border, and I'm talking about people who are there at the Border Patrol Council who deal with it every single day, they have said that the the wall essentially was about 90 percent effective. 
Um, and that's, that's actually an, an amazing amount, you know, when you think about something that effective, um, and that it was much better at stopping. And that also with remain in Mexico, which was one of the policies that Trump had in place that they should be vetted in Mexico before they come over, as opposed to have them just cross the border. And if you get lucky and you vet them, uh, good luck. And if you don't, don't worry about it. That's basically the policy, sadly, of this administration. So a lot of it starts if you have the president of the United States who has intentionally reverted these policies. They were in place, Teddy. All he had to do was just kind of keep doing the same thing. He just had to keep those policies in place that Trump had, and he didn't. He purposely reverted them. So, you know, so, you know, to just say, oh, it's a legislative, it's, it's a Biden problem. And I actually think Mayorkas was the perfect person for the job based on Biden. I mean, by this, he's the perfect guy because it was like whatever Biden wanted was like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. You know, like they're two peas in a pod. You know, I, I, I agree with you to your point, Ted, that, that, and I'm happy to hear that you think he's been a disaster and I agree with you. But President Biden's policies at the border have been absolutely a disaster and he's the one who's been guiding Mayorkas and everyone else. Um, he, has, he hasn't scolded Mayorkas. He's been praising him. Maybe he should reinstitute using the, of, of using the wall. Okay. I'll say that on the air for everyone to hear. Teddy from Yonkers. Maybe he should use the wall that Trump built up. All right, Ted, Ted, wow, this is a big day. I'm glad I got that out of you. Teddy, thank you very much. And and I haven't said Hunter Biden, but I will say it now. Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden. All right, got to go. We're going to go to a break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. is this head games by foreigner good old lou graham there but this is the perfect song because biden claiming he's gonna go to the border for once boy it only took him how many decades to get there and as mike mccall the head of the foreign affairs committee one of the head folks there in congress basically said uh what five million People crossing the border illegally under President Biden after two years in the White House. Uh, He finally decides to come. Boy, is he beyond a day late and a dollar short. Um, Also, by the way, coming up after the break, we always do our support our heroes, which I love doing here on the Rita Cosby Show. And I also just want to talk about um, some new information that came out on this machete attack on NYPD officers. Um, because we are getting details that, remember, this is that crazy guy who was shouting Allah Akbar, and it turns out uh, not only, of course, did he injure the officers and take out this machete with the intention to go down there and kill officers, he also tried to grab one of the officers' guns, uh, but he couldn't get it out. So imagine if he had been able to get one of the guns from one of the officers, just how deadly and how terrible this attack could have been. We're going to talk about that and new information against George Santos, uh, looking pretty bad. Uh, Brazil is saying, 
time to come back to face justice. We're going to talk a lot about that, too, as well. So a lot more here on The Rita Cosby Show. Meantime, we are talking about President Biden pretending like he cares about the border, saying he, quote, intends to go there at some point next week. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Martin. Line three. Martin, what do you think of uh, Biden saying, hey, it's time to go to the border? What a surprise. Hey, Martin. Martin, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, yeah, go ahead, Martin. We had a little bit of background sound, but go ahead, baby. Yeah, it's all gone now. I was just calling in to talk about this border thing. Nobody's even saying where he's going to the border. So he could be going to a spot of the border that has nothing, nobody crossing at the time. And personally, what I truly think that would end that whole border thing, or at least bring a whole lot more light to it, it's the only people that are covering it. It's conservative news. That's the only one that's covering it. You know, know, Martin, you bring up a great point, because who knows if the others are going to cover it. And if they do, they may say, God, how great that he's there and what a wonderful job he's doing. Um, You're right. There's there's so many uh, variables to this visit. And you're right. We don't even know what part he might just go. I don't think he's going to go to a part where it's really bad in the background because he's not going to want that image. There's no way that he's going to want that in the background. Uh, let's go to Mike, line one. Mike, what do you think? Uh, I agree with Martin. He might pop in like a nice, you know, where it looks really nice and pretty and there's nobody in the background, or they do a green screen. You know, they, suddenly there's like a stream of them coming, and they're like, could you kind of go over here to the left? You're in the frame of the shot, you know? Yeah, we got we got to keep an eye on the plane, what goes c- comes off the plane, what suitcases come off. And uh, uh, what what gets loaded on the plane? What do, what do you wait wait wait? What do you think, Mike? Is he bringing fentanyl or cash? What do you say? You, you never know. I, that's what I think. I think this whole thing was orchestrated by the uh, enemies of our country. Uh, I think Biden is clueless, and uh, I think while he's at the meeting, they're going to be loading the plane up maybe with illegal guns or fentanyl because they know once the Republicans get in, it's not going to come so easy. And uh, fentanyl's been doing a number on our people. And they want it that way. So the journals have to do it. They got to go there with extra long range zoom uh, cameras. I don't know what airport they're going to land, but they should be in different airports. Well, like the pallets of cash that uh, somehow uh, ended up in Iran. Remember that whole deal. Mike, thank you. Uh, We'll keep an eye. Who knows? Who knows? Or maybe, maybe, listen, he believes in Sanctuary City. Maybe he's going to fill the whole thing with illegal migrants and say, hey, come on in. You can stay at the White House. How about that one? That would be a new one. Let's go to Rick. Line two. Rick, your thoughts about this? Hey, Rita, are you ready to take the red pill? All right, go ahead. Let's see what you got. You have to look something up on the Internet. In the future, there is no border between America and Mexico. There is a 200-mile-wide, quote-unquote, zone of cooperation, and that's 200 miles wide north to south, not west to east. And you'll also find on the map, um, quote unquote, no human use zones. Look up UN Agenda 21. Well, and Rick, for, by the way, for starters, I would take a secure border zone. I'll start that for starters. Let's go to Jeff real quick. Jeff, a few seconds real quick, Jeff. Hi, yeah, we can kick the border all night long. You got to go to the money trail like Soros. So what's, why is he upset? We got to find out why is he mad? He's a brilliant man. Soros is no joke. He knows how to make money. 
in finance. No, and, and, and by the way, you're right. And I do believe he clearly is into this open border policy. And he's also into these open DAs that like the revolving door. We're going to continue after the break. The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a very powerful story coming from Green Bay, Wisconsin, where military veteran Ken Corey was honored at the Green Bay Packers game. By the way, I went to college with Sterling Sharp, and I love Sterling, of course, who played for the Green Bay Packers. Um, but this veteran was honored at the Packers game against the Minnesota Vikings. Now, the Packers and WPS Health Solutions paid tribute to U.S. Air Force veteran Corey, and this is Ken Corey for Operation Fan Mail. Operation Fan Mail, by the way, is designed to honor military families with a member who's on active duty or a member who's a veteran. The program recognizes families and veterans at each of the Green Bay Packers home games, and it's marking its 16th season this year. By the way, Corey was born in Wisconsin and was raised in a military family. His grandfather was serving in the Navy, his father, brothers and uncles in the Army and Air Force, and even his cousins in the Marines. Wow, what a family of service. After he graduated from high school, he enlisted in the Air Force, and he served four tours of duty overseas, including in Iraq, Pakistan, and Afghanistan. He served until 2014, eventually achieving the rank of Staff Sergeant. And how beautiful to see that he and other veterans and also active duty members of the military recognized Every time the Green Bay Packers have a home game. How beautiful. Great, great to see. Well, we are talking about some new details that are coming out that make this attack that happened right near Times Square on New Year's Eve even more scary. First off, here's a little bit of some of the sound. Uh, It was so chaotic when suddenly this crazy guy, this 19-year-old Trevor Bickford from Wells, Maine, um, suddenly starts shouting, Allah Akbar, and pulls out a machete knife at a checkpoint and starts attacking police officers. Here's a little bit of sound from that harrowing time. Really scary. You could just tell that people were frantic. They were running into stores. And here is New York City Police Commissioner Keyshawn Sewell uh, describing the attack. A 19-year-old male approached an officer and attempted to strike him over the head with a machete. The male then struck two additional officers in the head with the machete. One officer, an eight-year veteran, suffered a laceration, laceration to the head. The second officer, who graduated the police academy on Friday, was also struck in the head, resulting in a skull fracture and large laceration. And then she also talked about how difficult it is to be an officer. This was, again, soon after the attack, saying that luckily the attacker was captured. We are working with our federal partners for this investigation, and it is ongoing. I would like to stress, as the mayor said, there is no active threat at this time. This is another reminder of what our officers face. There were a lot of people out tonight. We are asking anyone who has any information to please call Crime Stoppers. 
And now we are getting some really scary details. Um, first off, horrible enough that this guy who seems to be an Islamic extremist, self-radicalized from what we're hearing, uh, took out, again, this machete and slashed three officers. Very scary stuff. And with the intent to do it. Now we're finding from Manhattan prosecutors that he also tried to grab one of their guns to, quote, kill them. How scary is that, that he was trying to grab the gun out of the holster of one of the guns uh, of one of the officers, and he was unable to, quote, get the gun out of the holster, and his intent was to kill them. How scary is this? Just how crazy it is that there are these loony kazoonies out there. Um, We were just talking about how open the border is, and, you know, you have people out there rushing across the border, uh, many that have never been vetted. I'm sure some with criminal records in their home countries. And now here we have issues even within our own country of somebody who is being self-radicalized. And that attack could have been much, much worse had he been able to get the gun out of the police officer's holster. He apparently put the machete down at one point and he had the intention to actually get the gun and couldn't. Now, apparently, this is what uh, it said from prosecutors um, according to what he told them, he was unabashed about it after they shot him. Remember, in the shoulder, he basically said, yeah, my plan was to kill an officer in uniform. That was my plan. And he said, I charged another officer, but dropped the knife and I tried to get the officer's gun, but couldn't, he allegedly said. So this guy was planning to open fire on police officers. I mean, this is just an unbelievable thing about how scary and how dangerous the job is for officers. Again, still so many questions why this guy, there wasn't a big red flag, because we know now other details is that his mother was the one who actually tipped off local cops about his obsession with Islam. That was back on December 10th, not that long ago. And then apparently the local police department there passed it on to the federal authorities. So what happened with that? Here's the mother calling, saying, my son's an extremist. Then he hops on a train and he shows up in New York City and there's no red flags going all over the place. Uh, It sounds like a lot of things fell through the cracks on this one. But thank goodness that our officers were able to stop him so quickly but it just shows how dangerous the job is for cops and how important it is that you got to monitor these people. Sometimes they're like, oh, ACLU, no, you can't do it just because someone says they're interested in this or that. you got a mother calling, tipping off cops about this guy's obsession with Islam, scared to death, obviously, and he hops on a train and nobody notices. Boy, are there questions tonight. 1-800-848-9222. one 848 Two, two. Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. Line one. Jimmy, your thoughts about this? When I was a little kid uh, in my neighborhood, there was a favorite cop all the kids liked. Mike the cop was a black guy, and we all loved him. Now, one time we were playing stickball, and a cop came by, and with his nightstick, we pitched to him, and the, the, he swung the, the, his nightstick, and it broke a window. <laughs> Oh my the cop goodness! Broke a window. We threw a place. He just wanted us to throw a couple of pitches to him. <laughs> Look, when I was a kid, nobody hated cops except the real hardline criminals. But getting back to the radical stuff, years ago, the courts ruled that the FBI could not monitor this communist group, CISPIS. CISPIS was set up to support the communist revolution in El Salvador. 
But the cop, the the court ruled that simply because it's a group that supports terrorism, you cannot monitor them before they commit a crime. That's absolutely crazy. It is. It, was, it is. And, and you know what, Jimmy, you hit it on the head. It's this sort of like this philosophy of like, oh, well, just because they say that you've got to be. Guess what? If people are saying that um, and you're talking obviously about an organized group here. But in this case, you have an individual and the mother is the one who's complaining. I mean, that is really, really crazy, scary stuff. you got a mother who's saying, you know what? Uh, guess what? There's concern here. And yet, for some reason, they either didn't get to it or they got to it and didn't take it seriously enough. And either way, uh, the ball was dropped. But thank goodness this guy didn't get the officer's gun. Uh, I mean, really couldn't get it out of the holster. Clearly tried. Boy, is that scary. 1-800-848-9222. Jimmy, thank you. Always love your calls. Let's go to Larry. Line three. Larry, your thoughts about this? Yeah, well, I'll tell you something. I'm very skeptical about this self-radicalization. I don't know that somebody can be radicalized over the Internet, uh, being a regular football. Maybe if he was a Muslim to begin with. But, I mean, I mean, he doesn't know anything about Islam, and all of a sudden he's killing killing officers. I, I just tend to think that the Biden administration, they say, listen, we can't afford to have a Muslim problem in the midst of all this, because then we'll look like the Republicans if we do anything against that. And I think he was radicalized by some... Some domestic uh, uh, Muslims, and they don't—they just don't want to look at it. They want hey, to well, You bring up a good point. There may be more to the story. You know that—that's a great point because we don't know that yet. There very well may be a lot more to the story than meets the eye, and maybe we just haven't heard it yet. Uh, Larry, thank you very much. Let's go to Joe on line seven. Joe, your thoughts about this? Uh, do you think there's more to the story that uh, he wasn't just somebody who got radicalized online and? What about the fact that he clearly was planning to kill officers, not just killing them with a machete, but try to get one of their guns? This is scary. Well, that's not my question. My question is, uh, how did these how did this uh, gentleman just attack these officers? Uh, Why weren't they uh, being attentive, uh, alert? I mean, uh, vigilant. I mean, uh, they're on duty. Okay, when you're on duty, yeah, but you don't have like Joe. Joe, you don't expect like somebody to suddenly pull out. And remember, New Year's Eve near Times Square, this was one of the checkpoints. So there were a lot of people there. They were obviously they reacted quickly because he did slash them. uh, But luckily, they shot him quickly and took him out. And at least you know he's now in the hospital. And it sounds like he's singing like a canary. Thank goodness. Um, but, but I mean, you know, come on. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there were, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people in Times Square on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, uh, I thought this happened on 52nd Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was, on, it was one of the checkpoints guiding, going into Times Square. So, I mean, you know, it's a lot, but, but, but I, I agree in the sense that he should have been on the radar. That's not, that's different than the cops. Uh, I mean, clearly, you got a mother calling and complaining. Don't you think that's enough that the guy should have, you know, somehow that should have been a big red flag? So it should have never happened. It's just, it's just like amazing to me. Yeah, it that, is. Uh, it this, is. This actually uh, t- took place, and um, in this day and age, uh, I blame the FBI. Well, they, well, it sounds like they didn't vet him. I mean, when you got a mother, I agree, Joe, in the sense that when you got a mother who is calling up and pleading. And saying, you know, I'm worried about my son. Um, that should be uh, t- top priority. You know, it's rare that a mother, sometimes they never have any idea 
or sometimes they don't want to admit to it. But when you've got a family member who's actually calling up and they can determine it is indeed a family member, not just some wacky person. And she went to like the local authorities. That should have been an enormous, enormous red flag. Joe, thank you very much. By the way, speaking of some red flags, uh, more details are coming out about George Santos. And this one's a doozy. This is the one about Brazil. And we're getting more details now that Brazil is planning on opening up its investigation of George Santos. And there are now reports coming from Brazil citing in the case documents, according to media, that he admitted to police in 2010 that he stole a checkbook from his mother's purse. Not his mother's checkbook. I was curious about that. It's not his mother's. Somebody else's. He used, quote, some sheets from the checkbook to buy goods at a shop in a city outside of Rio de Janeiro. Now, the mother, uh, Santos's mother, had been a nurse for a man, uh, a guy, Delio de Camara de Costa Alameo, who has since died. And it was his checkbook, apparently, in her purse because she was an aide taking care of the guy. Santos apparently told police in Brazil that he forged the man's signature on two checks that he used to buy $1,300 worth of merchandise. So the plot thickens, and he used apparently an identification card with the checkbook owner's name and a picture of himself. And now authorities say that they want to go after Santos. Apparently Santos signed some confession on November 18, 2010. Remember, Santos has said he has no criminal background. He's never been charged with anything. Is he lying about this one? What else is in there, too? Does this make you think very much about concerns about Santos? Well beyond just a embellishment on a resume. This may be embezzlement, which is a lot different than embellishment. But if you listen to Santos, remember, he was on with our own John Katzmatidis on WABC, and he basically said all he did was puff up his resume, but he said he is not a criminal. But listen to this. Anything else you want to tell uh, all Americans on the office? I think it's simple. Uh, I think I thank all of the people who have been reaching out and stuck by me this entire time. In, in these times is when you really know who has your back. And I have had an immense amount of support. And I really want to thank each and every person. And I want to make sure that if I disappointed anyone by resume embellishment, I'm sorry. And I will deliver to you on everything I campaigned on because it's still the same guy, still the same message, still the same priorities. God bless the United States and God bless all of you. And thank you, John, for having me here. Now, remember, he hasn't been sworn in yet because they don't have a House speaker until you get a House speaker. But what we're finding out in the last few days does not look good for George Santos. Remember, he also insisted, by the way, that he's, quote, not a criminal um, and that he has never been charged with anything, never been charged with a crime here or anywhere. That's what he said. And now we're finding out that he stole somebody else's checkbook out of his mother's purse. And apparently when she asked him for the checkbook back, he said that he had shredded all the documents, all the other checks. So his mother was, I think, aware of this, too. Um, and now Brazil wants to reinstate fraud charges. That does not look good. Is this now getting much more, you know, just I think the plot thickening and much worse for George Santos? I mean, if there's a crime, $1,300, 
don't you think he'd remember that he got hauled in in Brazil? He makes it sound like he's never been charged with a crime. They say he is a man on the run, that he was supposed to show up and he never showed up. Suddenly they saw him on TV in America and they're like, that's the guy. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stan. Line two. Stan, your thoughts about this. He was standing in the – I was watching. He was standing in the – he wasn't seated. He was all the way in the back near the door on the left, on the Republican side. And they called his name to vote for one of the things, right? There was like seven of them. He missed these. She's calling his name. He doesn't know what's going on. A guy tapped him on the shoulder. He missed it and said, hey, talk. And he didn't talk. The guy's out of touch with me. He's a loser. And he'll go out the back. I don't think they're going to see him, but he stood in the back. He was all the way. I saw him and he, he didn't sit. I don't think they seat the new ones yet. I don't know. But he wasn't. He was there standing. Secondly, most important. For 50 years, nobody, no president in this country has sent troops to the border. And Republicans have run the House and Senate more than the Democrats. They haven't even put Bob Wyer there. Not one president. And, one, and Trump Wolf didn't, will Stan, not help Stan, Trump didn't need to do it. He had remained uh, in Mexico. No he had a border work. wall. He didn't need the barbed wall wire. He had a wall work. that he was starting, Stan. That's a little bit different than a barbed wire. It's actually a heck of a lot better, Stan. You know, a thousand percent. You don't think a big, huge wall is is a much bigger deterrent than some barbed wire? One thousand percent. One thousand percent. Uh, let's go to Andrew, line four. Andrew, your thoughts about all this? Wow, Stan's going for it. Go ahead, Andrew. Yes, Stan's wrong. Trump's the first president actually to have troops, but there were Mexican troops. He negotiated stay in Mexico which included the Mexican government has to provide the army, which they did. They've had 30,000 troops on our border, plus they had troops on the Guatemala border. So um, he's wrong with that. So that's the ideal. We have troops, and they're not our soldiers risking their lives. And there wasn't any deaths in Afghanistan. But it's real quick with the mayor, what the Democrats are doing now, they're blaming Congress because Congress is Republican, you know, hold like, oh, like it wasn't happening for two years but the mayor said it's unfair. But um, I have definite sympathy for all the migrants. They want a better life. I totally and and by the and by the way, I one thousand percent agree too, Andrew. I mean, I never begrudge people for coming to this country. Um, it's the greatest country in the world, and I don't blame them for coming here. By the way, everybody, when we come back, we are also going to pay tribute to the great Walt Cunningham. Uh, he is the last Apollo 7 astronaut, and he passed away yesterday. He was on the show. We're going to talk about that and continue with your calls. The Rita Cosby Show. And before we go tonight, some very sad news that yesterday the last surviving Apollo 7 astronaut has died, Walt Cunningham. He was on the show, and I wanted to play a little clip of our interview. In so many ways, Apollo 7, um, which of course went up in 1968, it paved the way. Um, Explain why that was so pivotal, because it really paved the way for Apollo 11, uh, which of course this is the anniversary to the day of that, and, and Bezos and Richard Branson and Elon Musk. But you were really the game changer, the groundbreaker. Tell us about Apollo 7 and why it was so pivotal. Apollo 7 
and today, people today, they think of it, you know, it was the first flight, et cetera, et cetera. Now, anybody that was alive and with it, understanding, understanding things back then, Apollo 7 was our third attempt to fly. And the public probably is not aware of that in, in general. Uh, but it turns out that we, first off, we were uh, we were scheduled as the second flight for I think you know seven, eight, nine months, something like that. And then uh, they canceled that out, and we ended up being a backup on on Apollo. Well, what was what the people later started calling Apollo One, which it wasn't at the time. And then after three or four months, something like that, our, our Apollo 1 crew was killed in a, in a, a fire uh, on, on the pad, actually. But That's we were right. still do, we were still doing all the testing together. And then about hmm, a week or so after that, we were then also on the Apollo 1, the first flight, and which we didn't fly until a, a year or 15 months later. But the public in large today probably is not exposed to what it took to get airborne then. And those of us that were involved back then are now too damn old, really. Uh, we look at that as just, that's part of the history. Well, you know what? It was considered really the most successful, um, you know, uh, lunar mission at that time. And had that knock on successful Apollo 7, it wouldn't have opened the door. Um, but you were up there almost two weeks, Walt Cunningham. You are truly one of the living legends. You are the last survivor. Um, you know, of yep. Apollo 7. What what does it feel like to carry that legacy and, and, and to be one of the few people who are lucky enough to be in space? <laughs> it's kind of interesting how things are today. For example, take the crew of Apollo 7. Our commander's been, he's been gone, actually, from the world for uh, at least a dozen years. And, and uh, our, our other, our third crew member there, He's been gone for longer than that, and so that leaves me kind of an ancient, an ancient individual that's uh, still alive. Wow, how wonderful to hear Walt Cunningham again, who passed away sadly yesterday. He was the last surviving Apollo 7 astronaut who died, um, and what an amazing man. And there he was at that advanced age and sharp as a tack and funny as you could hear and as we always love to share here on the Rita Cosby show one of the great heroes who lived among us and absolutely humble and we're very very sad of course about his passing tomorrow we're going to be talking about President Biden he says he's got some new border policies let's see if he's even going to go to the border the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.